Let's turn to God's word as we find it in the book of Acts, the New Testament, Acts chapter 20. And our reading is from verse 22. That's page 1117, if you're following in the Pew Bibles, page 1117. Acts chapter 20. And reading from verse 22. This is Paul's farewell to the elders at Ephesus. And now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me, if only I may finish the race and complete the task The Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God. And to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had said this, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. And may God add his blessing to this reading of his word. Hand back to the worship team as they lead us on. And let's pray together. We will feast in the house of Zion, and we will weep no more. We thank you, Lord, for that promise that Jesus is coming again. He will wipe away every tear. He will restore what is broken. We thank you, Lord, for that promise. But we recognize in these days and in this time that there are tears. There is suffering. There is sorrow. There is loss and grief. And so we seek to encourage one another, to speak to one another, to comfort one another. We recognize this this world is imperfect. We pray, O God, for those who are housebound. We pray for those who are ill in hospital. People known to us who are going through challenging and difficult times. Just in our hearts, we hold them up before you, Lord. 
and ask that you would speak a word of comfort to them, bring encouragement. Or Lord, we pray even for your healing touch, your healing hand to be upon them. Come, Lord Jesus, bring your healing touch today. We think of those who are mourning the loss of loved ones. Grant them hope and encouragement for the days ahead. Help all of us, O oh God, to look out for others, to, to have your eyes that we see the people who need that word of encouragement, that touch. Help us, O oh God, to listen to the inner promptings of your Holy Spirit and to respond and to obey. And Father, as we come to your word now, we ask, O oh God, that you would give us fresh ears to hear. Help us to apply it as we look for leaders for Highkirk in this next season. May we be open to your prompting. Help us, O oh God, to be obedient to your will as you build your church. And we pray this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. So we're in the process of choosing eight additional elders to add to our Kirk session. And this is the second and final message. Uh, last week, we looked at some of the important things as we look at leadership within the Bible. First of all, we saw that leaders are important. They set the direction. They set the tone of the church. They, they are meant to lead. So leadership is important. Secondly, we saw that whenever the Apostle Paul was planting churches, that he put in place a plurality of elders, not just one, but there was a number of elders, and this uh, allowed a, a lovely balance, a sharing of the responsibility. It meant that one person wasn't kind of heading off on, on, on their hobby horse all the time. There was that kind of balance across the, uh, across the leadership. And then thirdly, we see out of this that there was good accountability. There was horizontal accountability, but there was also vertical accountability. Uh, within the Presbyterian Church, as we saw last week, uh, as a congregation, we voluntarily come under our, leaders, uh, our leadership, the, the Kirk Session. We implicitly say, we, we allow you to, to guard us, to protect us, to care for us, maybe even uh, to discipline us. That is part of the accountability that is important. And then fourthly, we saw that character is very important. In the two passages where Paul, if you like, lays out the criteria for eldership, he goes through about 13 or 14 characteristics. And we could sum those up as people who are holy, who are honest, and who are humble. Don't appoint recent converts, he says. We're looking for folks who are mature in their faith. So leaders are important, and there's a plurality of leaders which provides a, a good accountability as well as sharing of responsibility. And then fifthly, we saw that we're looking for leaders who share the vision of Highkirk. We're a fellowship that seeks to love, learn, serve, and reach. So today I want us to focus on what we expect elders to do. What is the role of an elder? As we survey scripture, and in particular the New Testament, we see that elders were key in the early church. Elders were there to give proper discipline, 
to teach God's word, to protect the flock from dangers. And a word that is common, commonly used in these scriptures to do with eldership is the word oversight. Sometimes Paul would use these words interchangeably, the word elder or the word oversight. In our key verse today in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, it says, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church, the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. So elders are given a task. They are to steward the church. They're to take care of the church. Now, the church is a very precious thing. The church has been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not our church. It's not the elders' church. It is Christ's church. But we are charged, if you like, to be stewards, to take care of it. It is a precious thing. Now, the Greek word for elder is presbyteros, and that is where we get our denominational name from. We are the Presbyterian Church because it is based on the government by elders. That's where we, we get our name from. And today I want us to see the elders, these presbyteros, do three main things. And I've uh, tried to, uh, I suppose, use words that are easy to memorize. So the first thing an elder is called to do is to feed the church. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, a passage we read last week, it focuses a lot on the character of elders, but it says there's one thing that they're meant to do or, or be able to do, and that is to teach, to teach God's word. They need to teach God's word, and to teach God's word, you need to know God's word. Elsewhere, as I've said, Paul <clears throat> speaks about an elder not being a recent convert because they should have certain spiritual maturity. They ought to know the scriptures. They ought to be able to explain God's word to people. Now, that does not mean that an elder has to be a gifted preacher, but it does mean that they're able to take a Sunday school class or a Bible class or a life group, and they're able to explain some of the major concepts of the Bible. Uh, what, what's the difference between justification and sanctification? Uh, why did Jesus have to, have to die? What are the theories of, of, of atonement? All these kind of basic things. Well, maybe we'll just test a few of the elders on them now, will we? Uh, so it's, it's to know the word so that we can feed the word to others, so that we can teach others. Elders are meant to make sure that the diet is good in the church. And to be honest, this is how we pastorally care for people in the main. We feed them God's word. Now, this is why it is so important that you're here today in church, because you're being fed the manna of God. You're being fed God's word. It's important that we are involved in this, but not only corporately as, as the church, whether here or, or online. It's important that you are also feeding yourself individually. And so much more for an elder or, or, or a, a, a possible elder. They need to be people who are in God's word daily, who have, are having that private devotional time, who are seeking to grow personally in the faith. In the early church, there was a lot of false teaching around, a lot of error. 
But we maybe are in a season where a lot of error is creeping in again, so we need to know the authority of Scripture. We need to know the difference between false teaching and true teaching. Paul said to Titus, an overseer, an elder, must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. So an overseer needs to be able to identify what is true from false. You need to be able to identify what is heretical, what is not genuine, what is not of God. Christians and elders especially need to feed themselves. And as we feed ourselves, then we can feed others. This is a role of the elder. The word of God is central to a healthy church. And once that word of God is demoted, it leads to spiritual sickness and even spiritual death. Once the world sets the agenda of churches instead of the word, it leads to spiritual illness, to decline, and even death. So in terms of thinking of elders and thinking of who we could choose, we're thinking of those who know the word of God, who are able to feed that word to others on a one-to-one basis or in a small group. So elders feed. It is an important role of an elder. And then secondly... Elders heed. Elders heed. To heed is to be a shepherd, to pastor the flock. To go back again to our verse in Acts 20 and verse 28, Paul says, Keep watch over yourselves, heed yourselves, but also keep watch over all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which Jesus bought with his own blood. In the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, there's a very strong picture that is given of what a leader is like. A leader is like a shepherd. Now, we're very familiar with this analogy in the Old Testament. Probably the most famous psalm is the 23rd psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. So leaders, overseers, elders are meant to heed the flock just as a shepherd heeds the sheep. And as we think of this picture of a shepherd and sheep, we can see how so many parallels are in place in this picture. For example, and and this is probably more so in the Middle East uh, view of a shepherd, the shepherd goes ahead of the sheep and leads them to to the pasture. So the elder or the leader goes ahead of the sheep, goes ahead of the flock, Uh, They they show the way, if you like. They lead by example. But then, secondly, the shepherd is one who protects the sheep from the marauding wolves. And in terms of the context here, the wolves are false teachers. In fact, in our passage, in Acts chapter 20, Paul says, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in amongst you, and they will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So the role of a shepherd is to protect the flock from error, from the marauding wolves. The role of the shepherd is also to keep the lost sheep from straying. People are very like sheep. 
we stray very easily. We get lost very easily in a spiritual sense. And so the role of a a spiritual shepherd, an elder, is to draw people back into the flock, to draw people back into the fold if they're straying. Uh, We have lived through two or three very interesting years because of COVID. At one point, we had to kind of shut all the churches down. And in one sense, you could say the flock was scattered. There were were no gatherings allowed. And over time, as churches began to open up again, as we began to assemble and to gather, it took some time for people to kind of get back into the habit. And it's a good habit of attending worship. But even here now, you know, some months after COVID and the full threat of COVID has passed, we still find that there are sheep that have strayed. There are still folks not here. And I think they could be here. It's not as if they're ill or, or, or can't physically be here. I think they've just got into that bad habit of straying. And so one of the rules of elders is to follow up the strays, to encourage them to come back to the gathering of God's people, to come under the teaching of God's word. Because as you and I know, once you get out of that habit, it's so easy to stray. We stray into not reading the word of God. We stray into not praying. We stray into not serving. And so the role of elders is to be like these shepherds who, who've got a, like a shepherd's staff with the hook on it to try and draw the strays back in again. Or maybe even give them a little tap of discipline to say, look, you're straying. You need to come into line with God's word. You need to come into alignment. Now, these are difficult things. I've, I've yet to meet an elder who likes, to do, who likes to discipline. But it is essential. It is necessary. It's what, sometimes what the flock needs. So this, this word picture of a shepherd, an overseer, is someone who goes ahead of the sheep, someone who protects the sheep, someone who looks for the lost sheep and the straying sheep and encourages them to rejoin the flock, to rejoin the fold. Every individual in this congregation has a named elder who is hopefully praying for you, looking out for you, caring for you. Someone once said that shepherds smell of sheep and elders, if you like, should smell of sheep. They should not be distant from them and say, I don't care about them. Being a shepherd can be a smelly, messy, and dirty business. Now, one of the challenging aspects of being an elder in today's busy and frantic world is the time element that is involved in overseeing a flock, especially one of this size. I recognize that maybe some folks are thinking, well, perhaps I could be an elder, but this time element is going to be a real challenge for me. Uh, You know, I have a daytime job, I have a young family or whatever. But can I just reassure you and say that you're not doing all the caring yourself. You are part of a structure of pastoral care within the congregation of Highkirk. And and, and, uh, pastoral care by the elders, essential as it is, is supplemented by other levels of care. So let me just put a slide on the screen here where there's seven different levels of pastoral care offered by Highkirk. The first level is the kind of ministry team, the staff team, and in particular myself and Nicky Gillen and Stephen Carson. And our main responsibility is the crisis care, bereavement care, visiting in the hospitals or the housebound. But then secondly, the second layer of pastoral care, as I've said, every 
person has a named elder or will have whenever we, we kind of fill the vacancies. And this is a, a general pastoral oversight that is exercised, that the elders have, have a kind of a, a general tab on everyone, they kind of a sense of where people are at. So that's a general pastoral oversight. But then thirdly, there will be pastoral needs that are specific, that maybe need a little bit more intensive care. And so we offer uh, counseling and we refer people to outside Christian agencies for for further counseling, but we also offer deeper uh, prayer ministry. Now, the ministry that you see in in front of the church here of necessity cannot be in-depth. So we have some of our prayer team who are trained in deeper prayer ministry, who are happy to spend more extended time praying with you, talking through various issues or problems, maybe meeting with you a number of times. So that, again, is another level of pastoral care. Fourthly, just last week, Nikki and I met with our new pastoral care team. It's a group of about eight people who are willing to do some of the slightly longer-term following up, maybe of bereaved people or people who are ill, maybe long-term ill. And so those folks will be starting to do visits over, over the next while. Also, as part of this fourth level of pastoral care, alongside the pastoral care team, we have a visiting team. And this is a number of individuals, men and women, who will visit one-to-one with people um, for, for a long period of, of time. And we have, we have that as well. Fifthly, we have our life groups. We have about 250 people who meet in small group Bible study. There we pray for one another. We care for one another. We share in confidence with one another. This is important, an important level of care within the church. And then sixthly, there will be folks who are involved in an organization. There might be BB leaders or GB leaders, Sunday school teachers, and they will have their own kind of prayer network, their own, their own kind of looking out for one another. And that, again, is a very, very important level of care. And then seventh and finally, but not uh, least, as it were, last but not least, is the congregation itself. One anothering, caring for one another, looking out for one another, seeing if someone's missing, giving them a phone call or a text saying, I'm missing you. And that's a kind of an organic uh, caring for one another, pastoral care. So there's seven levels of pastoral care that is ongoing in the congregation. That's a lot of care. And the elders are just one part of that. As I said, a kind of a general pastoral oversight. So an elder is a shepherd. One who heeds the flock. One who has a heart for people. And whenever your elder comes, comes alongside you, I hope that you respect them. Respect them as your leader. Respect them uh, as your elder and, and care. They are looking out for you. They're looking after your best interests. So what do elders do? Elders heed. Elders feed. And then thirdly and finally, elders lead. The elder is someone who sets the pace, who is proactive as well as reactive. In 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 17, Paul says, The elders who direct the affairs of the church are worthy of double honor. 
Elders manage the church. They set the vision. They discuss policy. They work out the values of the church and seek to guide and lead the congregation to fulfill its mission locally in the place God has put us. The Kirk Session is responsible, if you like, for the big picture of where the church is heading. It's responsible for the direction, the ethos, the values. It encourages us to see what it means to love, learn, serve, and reach in practice. It is actually quite exciting being involved in a body who want to direct and lead us and guide us into these things. Under God, we want to seek elders who will have that love for God and for each other, who will desire to learn more about Jesus and how we are to live for him here. We will encourage people to serve, to find out what their gift is and to serve. And of course, the elders will gently encourage you to reach out in mission, to invite people to Alpha or to Cafe Church or whatever. So the Kirk Session is responsible for leadership. It sets the vision. We want to look for people who are dreaming of a preferred future for our church. Dreamers who dream big dreams, who want to prod and provoke us to stretch our faith into risky initiatives. So elders feed, elders heed, and elders lead. And the final thing I want to say today is that as we are getting our little nomination papers and thinking through, and maybe the Lord will bring names or faces to us, I want us to recognize that as human beings, we have different strengths. No elder is going to be a 100% perfect feeder, a 100% perfect shepherd, carer, and a 100% perfect leader or strategizer. I mean, in all my years, as, certainly as a minister, as I've looked at the, the Kirk sessions I've been involved with, and I've been involved with three or four at different levels, and as I look at that Kirk session as a whole, yes, I see a session that wants to feed, to heed, and to lead. But I will see a few individuals who are better at teaching and setting a, you know, a prophetic vision. I will see two or three others who are very good shepherds and carers. And I'll see others who are very good administrators or, or kings, if you like. If you look, think of that idea of prophets, priests, and kings. You've got the prophetic vision, the teachers. You've got the priests who care and who mediate. And then you've got uh, the kings who are, are good at the big picture stuff. And every session has different people who have strengths in each of those areas. So maybe as you're thinking through what names you're going to put down, maybe you'll think of two or three who are good at feeding God's word. Maybe you'll think of two or three who are, who've got a pastoral heart. And maybe you'll think of those who are visionary or strategic in their thinking because it would be lovely, again, to have that balance over the session. This is the way God works. He works according to our giftings. And again, this is another reason why biblically a plurality of elders is good because it brings that balance. Each of the elders brings something different. They bring different strengths to the table. So be prayerful about this. Think through as you uh, look at this. Now I know there's the temptation in a large church where maybe you don't know that many people. There's the temptation to say, oh, I'll just let other people do this. I'll, I'll not get involved. 
but we really do need you to get involved. We, we want as many as possible to partake in this. If you're a voting member, please do take this seriously because the session is looking to you. Uh, we are a democratic church. That's one of the strengths of the Presbyterian Church. It is very democratic. The congregation needs to have their say. Uh, so please uh, do take this seriously and do pray for the Kirk session uh, through March as we discuss, as we pray, as we deliberate over the names that are submitted to us. So can I just lead us in prayer now as, as we reflect on this? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, your word which guides us and protects us. And as we come into this important season for Highkirk of choosing new leaders, we pray that you would open our hearts to your prompting and your leading. Open our ears to hear. Uh, even now, Lord, even as we're praying now, maybe you're bringing to mind names or faces of people who could possibly be elders. Lord, there may be people here, and, and maybe even as I'm speaking, uh, maybe you're saying to them, you will be an elder. You can be an elder. You can be a leader in this place. And I pray for that willingness, that openness, that sensitivity to say, Lord, if it is I, let me be obedient. When you call, you equip. So as we look out into this congregation for those who will lead us, who will heed us, who will feed us, we pray for a unity, Lord, a unity of your spirit as you lead us forward. As we look for the under-shepherds, those who will work under the chief shepherd, Jesus, grant us your wisdom. And to God be the glory. In his name we pray. Amen.